0: I I ain't got this. I can't do it myself. So um, that was the that was the start. You know, we'll meet at Maxwell have of what record. is now
1: the the journeymen. Right. Saint Paul's Men's Bible study. Welcome to Christ in all things, a conversation about meaning and purpose. It's based on a verse from the Bible. Colossians chapter 1, verse
2: 17, which says, Christ is before all things, and in him all things hold
1: together. Christ in all things is a listening ear into conversations about receiving and giving the love and hope of Christ. These conversations are
2: an invitation because, as much as you'll hear, and as much as we enjoy having them, digital media operates from a distance. And that's not what's best for us,
1: with God or with one another. So, thanks for listening. And if you're in the neighborhood, we invite you to participate in person in The Life That Finds Its Epicenter at St. Paul's Lutheran Church, 210 East Pleasant Street in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. Welcome back to Christ in All Things. I am Pastor Lance O'Donnell. I'm Pastor Jason Shockman. And we're here again with for part two with our special guest, Dr. Pete Shield. Welcome back. Thank you, thank you. So we left off
2: uh, with some of your high school glory days and how that formed you, uh, and, and actually several of your teammates as well, uh, who became rather successful men, uh, and you with them, um, and kind of backstage we were talking about how some of that played out in your life together uh, but i want to come back and ask the question wh- what about before that because hanging out a shingle as a as a dentist or a businessman of any kind takes a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit and and a little bit of adventure and moxie and and self-promotion which kind of are all lessons that are then reaffirmed as you're working together as a team and playing basketball or football. So where did some of those lessons start for you? Were, were you always kind of entrepreneurial?
0: Um, I guess looking back, yeah, maybe. But um, I would say two things. One is um, both my parents were, they weren't like the hover parents of, of today, they were always encouraging, do your best. You know, there was never any pressure to, um, you know, get good grades or, you know, be an all conference player or anything like that. Um, which you were, which I was, but, (laughs) (laughs) but I think, uh, part of it really was economic. My mom was a school teacher. My dad was a pastor. I mean, I can remember when we first, Got our second car. It was a white F Ford F one hundred and fifty, and this was probably in the late sixties. And I bet you it was like a sixty one or sixty two. The front seat passenger floorboard. You know, you could watch the road underneath you. <laughs> Flintstone <laughs> car. It pretty much. Yeah. Um. So, and, and you know, if I I got a new pair of jeans and a, a couple new shirts for school, and you know, invariably the first week or two on the playground, I'd rip my Jeans, and you don't get new jeans. You get mom sews patches on the jeans. Yeah. So
2: it inside yeah. the knee or outside the knee?
0: I think they were inside. Yeah,
2: my mom always sewed them inside.
0: Yeah, better look. <laughs> it's a better look. Yeah, apparently. Uh, so I think out of necessity, if I wanted something like um, my buddy Dan and I wanted new ten speed when Continentals, uh, so I had a paper route. You know, yeah, and I think it was probably a hundred and nine dollars or a hundred and ten dollars that I had to save up on my own money. So, part of it was out of necessity. If I wanted, you know, anything, anything, <laughs> I had to buy it. We, you know, there just wasn't. I had two older brothers and a younger sister, and you know, so that, I think part of it was.
1: So your first gig making money on the side. Or making money for yourself, your first side hustle. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Your first, your first job was was delivering papers. What else? What other type of things did you? Or do?
2: was, or
0: was that the first? Well, I mean, you don't count a lemonade stand. Sure, absolutely. Okay,
1: not a, Not every kid can handle sitting out in the corner and have people drive by and say no,
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> well, I'll say, see, we. I grew up right behind the church, so in the personage. So, oh yeah, you gotta yeah. you gotta buy lemonade from the pastor's <laughs> kid. Yeah, right. who's, who's passing that I, one? Right, now? I right. had I had a captive audience, so to speak. Um, uh, let's see, that transitioned into uh, no, actually, before that, lemonade stand transitioned to selling cokes at the Badger uh, football games, um, malted milks, cokes, and I remember you got you had to buy your tray for. Six dollars. I think it was maybe a quarter a piece. Somebody, oh, put that up, man. So they made you buy your own product and then resell it and then resell it. And no, you bought it for five dollars and 40 cents. And then when you sold all your tray, it came out to six dollars. So for each tray, you know, there were double stack trays. Made, you made
2: 60 cents,
0: made 60 cents. Goodness, yeah. And we had to, my buddy Dan and I had to take the bus down there from the east side. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, it was like 3.50 maybe. It was an awesome day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, when you netted out from uh, the bus ride and all that. So there was the Badger uh, football games, and then <clears throat> that was – excuse me. Uh, that was uh, – paper route was probably from like 7th grade to ninth grade. I might have started subbing for somebody, and then – um And I'm not really a morning person. I don't know how I did that before school and all that, but that was through ninth grade. High school was all about sports. And then in college, I worked for the athletic department painting fences uh, for the first two or three years. And then I started um, me and two other guys I went to high school with. uh, We started Sparkle City Painters in the summer. Don't put it off. Let us put it on. And you so had a tagline. You had a tagline in the whole thing. <laughs> there it was. Had, hey, we had business cards. Nice. Um, so I did that for two summers, and then um, during dental school, uh, soft between sophomore, junior, junior, senior year, uh, we were in clinic. So it was really an opportunity. I didn't work when I was in dental school. Some guys did it or whatever, but I. I didn't.
1: Yeah. So you were, you were always working and some of it was doing your, you didn't just go work for somebody else. You started your own thing.
0: Yeah. And you know, the interesting thing is that I think that my mom and dad were both always working, always busy. Um, But if you think about it, you know, a teacher is in charge and in front of the classroom and independent, a pastor is kind of the same thing. So maybe there was uh you know, uh, um, a hidden communication where it's. But he was—he
1: like, wasn't a missionary pastor. He didn't. He wasn't a no, founding was a youth. pastor of a parish.
0: That's correct. He was a youth pastor, but I mean, he still uh, his primary responsibilities. He was associate pastor. Um, his primary responsibility nothing was nothing wrong with that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, was youth and, but he still preached. So there, you know, there's something about that independence um, leading the flock kind of thing and yeah. so I th- think maybe I picked up on that in a certain way
1: you know this w- this wasn't on my list and it, but it should have been how did so how did your upbringing as a well, I don't want to say pastor's kid but how did your up, upbringing upbringing in an active christian family how did how did that Im- how did that impact
0: some of the things yeah. that, that formed uh, Shield Family Dentistry? A great question. And I think it had a lot to do with it. My acceptance of all people that came through the door, you know, we didn't, uh, you know, uh, there's all walks of life um, in Walk, And so I think that had a lot to do with it. When I was growing up, there was always somebody there at, you know, Sunday lunch, we had, people traveling through the country that, you know, stayed at our house. I mean, it was, um, you know, black, white, you know, it didn't, it was everybody. And so, you know, as that translate to, to my practice, I mean, I had um, all kinds of different folks that came in. I, I was shared confidences in consultation rooms of all kinds of family things, sexual assaults, and mm. divorces, and it, it, is, all an, kind of it is an
1: interesting, very intimate business mm-hmm.
0: that you're in.
1: And I would admit, you know, I hadn't really thought about this as much with your business, um, but it it's it's different. I mean, I, it opens. You, I mean, it, you open yourself to. It's like I suppose with finances, right? If you handle somebody's finances, you find out all kinds of stuff about people. Um
0: yeah, I mean things 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 you might like the people that you think are loaded might not be, but there's people that drive up in old cars that pay cash, you know, that you know, are living within their means. Yeah. You know, but I think the biggest thing that my upbringing in a strong Christian household did was, um, however it happened, I, I, I was shocked by the direction of some of the, you know, we had a private consultation room where I'd review the treatment plan and answer questions and try and explain what was going on. And, you know, um, what was involved with time, effort and money and that sort of thing. And, um, the, what I heard people tell me, I don't know if it was, <laughs> you know, the way I looked at them or the confessions that I heard was, um, they were some pretty heavy stuff. Yeah. And I, so I you know, I think, I think it helped me, the Christian upbringing helped me meet people where they were at maybe. Okay. Um. But uh, that was something they didn't teach in dental school. That I think I, I <laughs> is that kind of like
2: kind of like they tell us at the seminary is we're going to give you a theological education, but the parish is where you're going to learn to be a pastor.
0: Well, yeah, everybody graduates dental school. I think it's a little bit more of a St. Louis thing. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Oh, here we go. I don't want. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to be in the middle of that. No, but, I don't either. Yeah. Um, yeah. So.
2: Um, yeah, because you were saying you graduate dental school, whether you graduate with a 4.0 or a 2.5, they call you dentist.
0: Yeah, no, I, uh, actually I was just going to say you graduate dental school as a safe beginner and you learn, um, you know, uh, along the way how to deal with people and, yeah. you know. So you, I,
1: I'm curious, and this is not where, <laughs> it wasn't in my original script either. I know that you, it, without getting into details you've experienced some pretty big personal and professional disappointments so you know you take your christian faith into the founding of your your dental business um but it's that faith that faith is also formed by what happens in your business and by successes and also by by failures how do how does you know, again, without getting into the, necessarily into the details, how does experiencing disappointment and failure impact your Christian faith and your, and your further approach as a businessman going forward?
0: I think, uh, the short answer is that it redirects me back to my faith. Mm -hmm. I think that, um, you know, when you, when you take your eyes off the prize, you know, you wobble, wobble a little bit and, Mm -hmm. uh, you you know you, you get a little knock you get a little uh suggestion that maybe it's time to redirect back in so I think that's that would I would say that's how disappointments and failures have impacted my faith because I mean the perfect example is um, I can tell you exactly where I was and who I was with when I shared uh, after my divorce that, I thought it would be great to start a men's Bible study at St. Paul's, and um, you know, look at the fruits it's still fruit, going. Yeah, look at the fruits um, and lives that that's impacted, mm. not because of me, because of the Holy Spirit. So, where were you we're and who were you with? Uh, I was at um, Weiss Gerbers in Okachi. It's, uh, a, it's a
1: it's a lovely lakeside restaurant for our listeners who are not local
0: for a ducks unlimited uh, banquet. With Cole Brown and Les Leopard. No kidding. Yeah, yep. we should do a men's Bible study. Uh, I think I just poured my—I I didn't pour my heart out, but I was kind of like, um, "Here's here's where I'm at," and basically, I, I was in not so many words saying, "This is what I need. Yeah. I need I need something hardcore uh, because my life is pivoting uh, in a big way." And I I I ain't got this. I can't do it myself. So um that was the that was the start. You know we'll meet at Matthew of what, we'll have of what read is now
1: the the journeymen. Right. Saint Paul's Men's Bible
0: study. What right. you, what year was that by the way? If you do you remember? I'm gonna guess ninety nine, maybe. Okay. Uh somewhere in there, ninety eight, ninety nine, two thousand. I'd say it's before two thousand.
1: Okay.
2: So 20 some odd years later, uh, there's still a group of guys that meets every other Saturday morning to study the word of God, to encourage one another, to act like men, to love one another and to be courageous in doing so.
0: Right. Uh, And,
2: and, and thank you for, but but thank you for, for having the courage to tell somebody else what you needed.
0: That I don't have it all figured out. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean yeah that's a that's a whole nother podcast about men's uh inability to you know ask for help hurt. yeah
1: ask for help but i imagine just, i imagine you had to ask I, I imagine
0: you had to ask for help in your business stuff uh for sure uh i wasn't a, i mean i would ask uh other uh practitioners oral surgeon you know what help me with this implant case um You said you had a business manager. Yeah, my business guy helped me out tremendously, um, and supply people. I I wasn't afraid to ask, I guess, but I wanted to get back to the journeyman thing. I, it was clearly the Holy Spirit working in me. It wasn't. People have said, "Oh, you started it," you know. It's like, no, not no. I, no, I didn't. Yeah, we will just give it. credit where credit is due. Holy Spirit, right? God is the one doing the yeah. work. Okay, we're, just, we're just the tools of get in Right. <laughs> I, that, on, exactly.
2: on that note,
1: we've with a relative limited amount of time. I'm curious about the new business. Yeah, because I mean, the dental business and the paperboy thing, and the lemonade stands. It, it, and, right. That's it, all, it all.
2: That's all great formative. It's cute. <laughs> it's cute. And, right.
1: But but and it's also not the only thing. I mean, I know right you've invested in things outside which has enabled you to do some other things but in your retirement you started you started another business so tell us tell us about what that is and why
0: yeah i did thank you uh helping hands writing um helping hands is from napoleon dynamite i stole the <laughs> you know the, <clears throat> the little bit there that's one of my favorites i didn't
1: know that that's fantastic i didn't either
2: oh yeah. goodness yeah he yeah. has so, um, he has skills
0: <laughs> It it was a convergence of
2: writing skills and nunchuck skills and both staff skills.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Pegs. By the way, and for, ah. for some of our listeners, that it's a movie, Napoleon Dynamics, it, it's a movie, quite that,
2: possibly the stupidest movie I've
0: ever seen. And, and yet, you watch your mouth.
1: And yet, you and yet
2: to, <laughs> it is wonderful
0: all at the same time. It, you have to have a, it's a cult, it's a cult movie that you have to appreciate that type of humor. Um, and Yeah. It's a little uh, bit of a dare to be stupid movie, yeah. There's so much I mean Rico, Uncle Rico. It's <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh man. And I'm sorry you kind of saw that. I, <laughs> you that's awesome. That the helping hands writing. Writing. So why so, why that?
0: Okay. So um the backstory is my dad uh, started uh, his first church was in Redfield, South Dakota. And his last church was in Madison. So over 34 years, um, he saved all the bulletins and all the sermons that he preached. So he had like three or four big boxes of all that. And he called me up one day. Dad's 92 now, and he's throwing away a lot of that stuff. And he said, do you want any Do you want any of these sermons? I'm like, no. What, what am I going to do? Uh, no thanks. And like three days later, I'm standing in the shower and I'm like, Oh my God, I got out of the shower dried off. I called him and I said, Hey, do you, did you save any of those boxes? I, I think, I think I got one left. I said, I want it. I got an idea. And so I, uh, put together a, uh, book called, uh, sermons from thy father mm. available on Amazon. And, <laughs> Plug. There you go, yeah, absolutely, and books and company here in Okinawa. there you go, and uh I grabbed uh fourteen or fifteen of his sermons um a small uh um meditation that he gave when he was with a Christian ministry in the national parks for one of his summer jobs, and a little bit of background of his journey into the ministry and how he got started and uh which was was kind of a lot of fun and um. So that Edi- editing, kept.
1: editing and compiling some work that your father had done.
0: Right. Exactly. Retype. I retyped all the sermons as best I could. Cause he did, he, you know, obviously didn't have wordsmith or, you know, anything on the computer. It was all a uh, hunt and peck and red line and arrows and underline <laughs> and
2: <laughs> probably looked like my manuscripts
0: after right. I've preached. <laughs> them. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so, uh, that was right before COVID I think. And, then COVID hit, and I kind of had a little bit of a writing bug and a lot of free time, obviously, because nobody was going anywhere. And and you had retired. I had retired. Um, and I think I always had this story in the back of my head because my dad and I, uh, over the years, uh, our, our thing wasn't deer hunting or um, fishing. It was digging for Indian artifacts, which is a whole nother story how – He got involved in that um, back in college, I think, working for the State Historical Society of of, uh, South Dakota. But um, we always joked about, you know, geez, maybe we'll find the Lewis and Clark medallion because Lewis and Clark went up the Missouri River right by this particular village site that we um, frequented. And so... I started. I literally started writing this story thinking it was going to be, you know, nice about
1: somebody searching for the Lewis and Clark medallion. Right, a grandfa- Real, grandfather. Briefly,
0: and te- tell our tell our listeners what that what that is because they might not know. So Lewis and Clark, um, after Thomas Jefferson and the United States purchase made the Louisiana purchase, um, they Thomas Jefferson sent Lewis and Clark. Uh, to find the Northwest Passage from St. Louis to find the Pacific Ocean. And to do that, they went up the Missouri River um, through South Dakota, North Dakota, Montana, um, and they. Uh, he, Thomas Jefferson had minted uh, 89 uh, or 90 uh, small coins or medallions with um, his face on one side, and on the other side it had uh, like a cavalry epaulette shaking the hand of um, a Native American Indian, you know, slash Indian. And Lewis and Clark's uh, job was to trade with the Indians, trade these peace metals with the Indians um, in exchange for food and, you know, maybe shelter. For That's whatever what they, they needed to make their passage. For whatever they needed. Um, and so it, it was also marking their territory because the British and French were still sniffing around even after the deal was done so um yeah the the book is called bad medicine available at on amazon and uh barnes and noble and books and company, company locally <laughs> locally right here in walk, yeah and so uh it's about a grandfather and grandson that are searching for this lewis and clark medallion medal and uh they go through um the river is also rising because uh, the Oahi Dam has been built down by Pier. And so uh, the Missouri River is being dammed up and most of the Indian villages were built along the floodplain because of the fertile soil and access to water and so forth. And um, so there's a race against time. There's other people that are also interested in finding this particular uh, metal and there's some vendettas involved and yeah. So it turned out to be a pretty good pretty good novel. And I would have never guessed it was going to bl- blossom into that. And now there's, there's a sequel on the way. Sequel's coming out November 28th. Uh, it's called Remnants. This, the, bad Medicine takes place in 1969. And so the fun part about that was getting uh, weaving the music into it and yeah. you know, clothing and cars and all that. And the second... One takes place in 1977, which was my senior year in high school. Which I thought, yeah, maybe it'd be a little bit easier because the songs would be all familiar and, <laughs> and and clothing and all you know all that sort of stuff. So it's actually been great fun. It's uh, writing is really hard. Yeah, it's really hard work, especially for somebody with a science background and has a science vocabulary to go over to the humanities um, was very difficult. But I also was fortunate enough to surround myself with some people that were very helpful him included Pat, pastor lance yeah. o'donnell being one of them um in in directing and weaving and use use this say this don't say this no that's not how it would really go this is this is more appropriate um so it i'm very i'm very proud of the work that i did i would have never you would have told me 10 years ago that i was going to be writing novels in my retirement? I would have been like, "Nah."
1: See, that's exactly what I want to do in re- my retirement if I get there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm th- I'm thrilled to see you do it. How I, I hate how, to tell you, Lance. Yeah, but sorry,
2: Pastor O'Donnell. Yeah, uh, in this one, I can call you Lance. Pastors yeah. don't retire; they just <laughs> play
1: more golf. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I'd love to do both. Um, how's it been as a business? It's. Um, are you making a little money off them? No. Okay. No, not, not selling. They're selling a little <laughs> bit.
0: <laughs> it's um I would at this point I would characterize it as uh an expensive hobby only in the fact that you know the I haven't I mean maybe I've sold uh well the sermons from their father that I have sold a handful of those mostly that was a giveaway to family members and sort of a uh, um, heirloom, that'd be the it, right absolutely. word, something like that. Yeah. Um, I do, ne- uh, next year, my plan is to do a second edition cause I found another box oh, of his sermons. Really? Oh, nice. Yeah. And so, um, I'm going to do a second edition of that. Um, but, um, you know, I've got a, what I call a writing coach slash editor, um, that, uh, helps me, uh, makes me a better writer and I'm uh, Kim Surer is her name from Red Oak Writing, um, And, you know, it costs money to, you know, have it printed and sell some books and all that sort of stuff. So it's, it's worth it. It, you know, beats a bar tab. <laughs> how, you know, I'm curious, how has...
1: Taking up this, because it really is even even though you're not making money off it, mm-hmm. there's a business to this, and your st- it's a new it's a new venture, and it's time. And I'm I'm curious how your faith influenced you going into that, and how maybe the the writing ha- has that influenced your faith
0: at all. I'm gonna say yes um, to both to both. Mm-hmm. Um, well, obviously, it influenced you know the sermons from the father. Yeah, um, but um, in bad medicine, I, I it, I had a history um, angle on it, but I also wanted to shine the light on some of the um, conditions that uh, Native Americans on the reservation live under now, um, and you don't have to get overly political here but all the blm stuff was all going on at that same time and i've been on reservations in montana um south dakota um, northern wisconsin and you know it's it's terrible and so um there's a section in that book about um in bad medicine in bad medicine um about chief standing bear has a has a speech and kind of, and you know, the grandfather and grandson are like, we didn't, we had no idea, you know, which I don't think most Americans really understand how terrible the conditions are on the reservation. Um, so in, in remnants, um, with your help, Pastor O'Donnell, um, I wanted to get uh, a Christian perspective. And so Pastor Dawson, uh, is the confidant for the, uh, protagonist Jimmy and so there's um, a couple of scenes where Pastor Dawson is helping Jimmy through uh, some different things uh, Charles Martin is uh, is an author out of Jacksonville and um, my daughter Alexi and son-in-law Brad kind of turned me on to him because uh, they're at the same church and uh, or we're at the same church and so forth and so I've read his stuff and it's it's not a you know, it's it, he—he's able to weave what uh, far better than than I ever could um, a Christian perspective into his stories without necessarily having a church in there. Uh, although there are churches in, in his books, um, uh, so I was kind of like, "Geez, I'd like to be able to write. I'd like to be able to have that angle in there." And so, with Pastor O'Donnell's help, uh, we got a nice. Um, seen in there about marriage and what love is and that sort of thing. So we have, uh, Pastor O'Donnell and I have a common interest in writing, and so uh, we've been fortunate enough to share each other, and, and I'm going to encourage him publicly to keep, <laughs> keep writing because what, what I've read that he's written, it's aside good. from a Sunday sermon, well, uh, is very good. Yeah, I don't
2: read those. I just listen to them. <laughs> uh, I, I will tell on you both a little bit here. Uh, Oh no, these guys, Lord Lord have mercy. (laughs) These, these two guys, uh, they, they disappear together. Uh, because Pete, you, you have a, a writing cabin up, up north a little ways. (laughs) True. Uh, where there's some snowmobiles and some, uh, quiet spaces to sit and write with some beautiful scenery around. Um, and you, you boys, uh, Are known to go not not known not known (laughs) up until now. Well, now everybody knows. (laughs) Uh, You boys are known by me anyway. Now everybody else to disappear into the woods to go write stuff, Uh, and I think it's great. It's a research, sure. Uh, (laughs) I think it is
0: actually for him. It is.
2: Uh, I think it's great. That you go and encourage one another in this business, in this hobby, uh, business Pete for you, hobby for you, Pastor O'Donnell, because you still have a full-time gig. Uh, and I think it's wonderful as iron sharpens iron, uh, Mm -hmm. that you guys get to go and encourage one another along the way as you continue down these paths as yet untrod into adventures unknown, uh, just like the Lord led Abraham, uh, And as he continues to lead us, the church, uh, by his word into this life that we share. Uh, So thank you, uh, Dr. Pete Shield, for being a friend to my colleague uh, and for encouraging him uh, as a man to use the gifts that God has given him. And Pastor O'Donnell, uh, thanks for being willing to just open up and encourage Uh, a man in our congregation to continue in the task that God has laid before him. Not that I would expect you to do any different. Um, And, and and that gentlemen is where I want to say what a great conversation that we've been able to sit here and be a part of uh, as we watch Christ work through you uh, both to encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching dear listeners, uh, come back next time. Uh, as we talk to more of our friends and guests here on Christ in All Things.
1: For show notes and other information about Christ in All Things, visit christinallthings.org. Comments may be emailed to comments at christinallthings.org. We're thankful to provide Christ in All Things to you as a gift, but it's not free to produce and distribute. So if you'd like to help us
2: make Christ in All Things a self-supporting show and have a little fun in the process, please
1: click the support page at christinallthings.org. A donation of any kind gets you a dozen environmentally friendly Christ in All Things straws to share with your friends. Pastor Shockman loves these. That is so not true. You love those way too much, and I still can't
2: believe you bought them. A donation of $200 or more gets you some cheerful on-air
1: clapping. And a pair of Wisconsin-made wigwam hiking socks. A donation of $1,000 or more gets you thunderous on-air clapping. And a handmade Christ in All Things leather folio by the Murdy Creative Company. If you want to donate more than that, well, fly us wherever you
2: want, and we will record Christ in All Things at your chosen location. Within
1: reason, of course. All post-production surplus supports Youth Ministry at St. Paul's. Thank you for your support. Christ in All Things is a production of St. Paul's Lutheran Church,
2: 210 East Pleasant Street in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. For more information about St. Paul's, visit splco.org. Email us at info at splco.org or the old-fashioned way, give us a call, 262-567-5001. Intro and outro music setting by Joseph Hurl. Copyright 1998, Concordia Publishing House. Used with permission.